Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, and joined by my lovely, talented, ready-to-go-on-vacation wife, Miss Southern Shell. Shell, how's it going? You packed? Good. I am. We got Tyler over here running the boards. He's back this week. What up, y'all? So what's happening? Well, it's been a busy week. There was Super Bowl. <clears throat> Tell me about your bets. I won half my bets. I After, won my big bet. I put forty bucks to for the Chiefs to win, so I'm up. You're up. Good, good call. Made the game more exciting, didn't it? Oh yeah. What did you think? Were you happy with the Taylor Bowl? Um, <laughs> I put the money on the Chiefs because I just think. Mahomes is that kind of quarterback that's going to do whatever it takes to win. He's a winner. He's a winner. You got to believe you can win. And He's a win. He believes he can win. That's for sure. I think he got more first downs than anybody else on his team. <laughs> He's like that. I'll do it myself, you yeah. know, kind of person. And I was right. My, you were right. You were right. You were right, too. You put money I, on the I Chiefs. I put money on the Chiefs. I'm not a fool. I knew where that money was going. <laughs> I, I just bet where the script was supposed to go. <laughs> I know how it works. You got to be on the they They baited you up for that. <laughs> Well, we profited. Yeah, yeah, we profited. If I had known you were putting money on the Chiefs, I would have put money on the Niners, honestly. (laughs) Really? Yeah, that's normally how it goes. But I have been lucky because I bet on the last round. I bet on the championship round, and I went with the Chiefs, too. So I wrote it out. So you're up. It broke my heart. Well, see, here was my theory. You want to know my theory behind the whole thing? Nobody, if if the Vikings beat you in the regular season, you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. And they beat the 49ers. Yeah. So I was like, I can't bet on them. I know what I mean. They lost to Kirk Cousins before he got hurt. The curse of Kirk. I saw someone in the community posted a meme. It was like, what's the Super Bowl daddy? And he said, I don't know, buddy. We're Vikings. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. It was like the History Channel Viking yeah, show. Yeah. What's the Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Do you know they've been four times? Now, this is before my time. Yeah. But they have been to the Super Bowl four times and lost. I think them and the Bills, the only one that's been four and lost four. Really? Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Bills, I don't know if they have one or not. I know the Vikings do not have a Super Bowl. Not a team people just bandwagon. Well, who, the, <laughs> the Vikings. Yeah, that's true. You don't just bandwagon the Vikings. <laughs> you, you're there for a reason. You like them for some dumb <laughs> yeah. reason. You're probably born into it yeah. if you're from Minnesota. But, or married into it. Yeah, or married into it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're Mississippi and you're a Vikings fan, you're just a fool, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like me. It's very true. But then we had Fat Tuesday. How did you celebrate? What did we do, too? We had a king cake at the office last week. Yeah, we did. It I didn't have good. It was yeah, fire. Yeah, it, it, it had it cream cheese in the middle. Good. And I had I had my shrimp and crab legs and all that over the weekend. So I had plenty of, uh, I guess, Mardi Gras-esque food. Made gumbo last week, so. Oh, we're going to talk about your brew a little bit. but Okay. But first, I want to talk to you about um, Gunga. Is that how you say it? Gunga. Gunga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Gunga? <laughs> Is that some kind of anime? I don't know <laughs> we about. We redo that. <laughs> no, 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 it's funny. So Google Fade. Yeah, he's a huge, huge uh, YouTuber. Yeah. And, I mean, he, he makes all kinds of content. He does great videos. He does a really good job. He compares a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff with beef. I think he does, uh, he's got a whole other channel just about sous vide. And so he's got, you know, he does a lot of different stuff. He experiments a lot. But he took one of my old 
like, is that the first tomahawk steak video I did? Yes. I don't know if it was the first. It probably was. I did it on a PK grill, and he Ooh. pretty much just like broke the video down. What I did right, what I did, I completely agree with him. <laughs> I didn't see anything that he did that he said that was you know disparaging or anything like that of what I you know where I didn't mess up. I mess up all the time. There's a, you know there's way, more than one way to do stuff, but well, I didn't watch the Google video, but I was there when we filmed it, and I know I, I remember the mistakes we made. What do you think about the? the so what got me was that thumbnail y'all sent me that he posted. <laughs> I was like, who is that guy? I don't even, <laughs> hey, my arm looking all like Popeye's all swollen. up. <laughs> like, yeah, I look good. All the wrinkles were all like. <laughs> they smooth Botox me out. It's like, I got to go for that look, man. It took 20 years off me. He's setting our bar high now. Yeah. That had to be like an AI image or <laughs> something. Or somebody, somebody went to Photoshop town. <laughs> made that one. I was like, so give me your best Malcolm Reed Time Up video. And it come back. I was like, dang, who's that guy? <laughs> who's that guy? <laughs> Give him my number. <laughs> but no, I'm trying to. Uh, I've I've been watching his videos for a long time. We just never communicated because I'm not a big one to you know post comments on people's videos and stuff. But I watch them, and he. Uh, I don't know if he reached out to us. Tyler, did you reach out to him a while back, or did did you? Re- nope. No, no, we had no contact. Nope. No. Well, my buddy Cosmo. Sent me a text message over the weekend. It's like, hey man, I, you know, do you see that video that he did? I, I thought he was supposed to say, man, he ripped you. You know, he really <laughs> told you. He's like, no, he, he knows him. He's like, you want me to connect you? And I was like, sure, man. You know, shoot him my text number because I'd love to do something with him. And so we're trying to work something out. Maybe it's some kind of collab or something. Or that'd be cool. Go check out his place. I think he's in Miami. So yeah, that would be a fun little trip. Maybe hit the keys up when we're down there. Get some. How far is Miami from the keys? It can't be far. They're both down at the bottom. That's true. If you're down there. I've never been. Never been to Miami, so. Never been to the Keys, either. I don't know if I've been south of Pensacola. In Maybe Florida? T- I went to Tampa one You went time. to Tampa before, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so what, on the Google video, what did he say about how you cooked your steak? And where did you go wrong? Where did you go right? Well, what was the deal? so he's not a fan of grill grate or grill marks. He want, He likes well, because he says it kind of burns where it touches the grill, and it's just not a good flavor. It's better if you get a sear over all of it and let that kind of, what's it called, the Meillard reaction yeah. or something like that, where it's just a browning of everything. He said it's more even. It tastes better. It may not, you know, may not have the restaurant aesthetics, Yes, but he says it's a better eating steak. So, hey, I mean, who might have, man, I, I, I like a good cast iron seared steak, so I know all about that. So how is the grill grates not giving you that same reaction just in specific areas versus? I guess it, I guess the claim is that it burns it. It burns it, it versus yeah. the that, yeah. that reaction. Yeah, you're just you're eating burn marks. I don't know. I mean, I I I like the restaurant look. I do that on my steaks, but I've also done cast iron steaks. Yeah. Here lately, I hadn't even been searing them. I've been like we've been cooking. Uh, those tenderloins and you know and stuff like doing it a little bit lower temperature, just nailing the doneness on it. But you're cooking and, them over open fire. Well, I was I've been cooking those on pellet grill. Oh, so and I don't sear it at the end because I didn't feel like it needed it. You're not talking but, about ribeyes, but I'm not talking about ribeye steak. Yeah, no. yeah. What's your favorite way? Do you like the grill marks? Do you just like it over open fire? Do you like it cast iron seared? Best steak I've ever had came off grill grates. Really? Yeah. And I would say. Top three or four best steaks I've ever had came Come off grill grates. Yeah. And it could just be, you know, we were we were cooking a lot of steaks at one time, yeah. you know, because we were competing and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I'll put one of my grill great steaks up against <laughs> anything. But hey, each his own, man. If you don't like the grill marks, don't don't use them. I do know. Like I remember when we got that tomahawk, it was hard to find a tomahawk back then because yeah. this was years, a couple years ago. Yeah, and it was really hard to find a tomahawk. We finally found one, and it was like, oh, we got a tomahawk steak today. And it was just one. There wasn't <laughs> it was like there was one. no takes. Yeah, there was no mess ups. And I, what you I, got. I do remember the one thing I will say is looking back on that video, I think the grill was a little too hot when we first seared it. Mm-hmm. Did you I see? put extra coal. I put a chimney of coal in it. Put extra coal on top to make sure I had some good hot coal, and then I seared it like three, two and a half, three minutes, you know, on each side, really hard sear, and then moved it over to a raised rack and put the butter pan up under it with the olive oil and the herbs and garlic and all that. Now that part I thought was genius. And would, yeah, yeah, and would let those meat juices drip down as it come up to temp. It's such a big piece of meat; it takes you're not going to get it all done with a sear. So Guga's take was he would have flipped it. He would have. Probably not made the fire as hot. He likes a hot fire for steak. Yeah. And he was all about checking the temp of it. You know, you need it 550, 600, whatever. You know, you need it getting hot to sear, but you just need to turn it more often. And then you control where you get that outside edge by flipping it more often. The kind of sear all across the steak. And then you can move it over and bring it up. But he also said you could do a reverse sear, which you can. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did it kind of backwards, but a reverse sear works on it too. You did a. Reverse, reverse, sear. Reverse, reverse. What would you call that? A 360 sear? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I the I will say this. The best tomahawk I have cooked since then was in that drum. And that you don't have killer. to sear. I mean, it kind of sears itself some because the fire is below you. Yeah, that's another open flame yeah, type Yeah, it's another open flame. But, man, that's the best tasting tomahawk. I've hung them, and then I've just cooked them right on the grate in the drum, and that's the, the best. That was the best to me. And you basted it as it cooked. As it cooked, you basted it. And you don't have to get crazy with it because you will start a fire in that drum basting too much. It just, I don't know, man. The the meat, it got that drum flavor, which y'all know I love. Meat dripping on hot coals is something you just cannot duplicate. You got to have meat dripping on the coals. <laughs> and it just makes it, that flavor gets in the meat. It's, I don't know, it's, it's seared, but it's not hard seared. Yeah. But it dries the outside out somewhat. So you get that reaction going on and with the seasoning. And I like I like seasoning it pretty heavy for a tomahawk. We're talking two and a half, three pounds of beef. It needs a lot. And most of it doesn't have that interior. Yeah, yeah. So you're not going to get it in there. And the drum allows you to bring it up slowly. Kind of. I mean, that drum likes to cook it too. Yeah, I mean, it's coming up slow because it's not. It's not 500. It's not 500, yeah. It's, you know, 275, 300. That's the perfect temp for cooking on a drum. So you can nail the dungeon. You could nail it. And it is even from tip to tip all the way across when you slice it. You don't get that gray with your bright red pink and then back to gray. You don't get that changeover. It's all smooth. And that's That's really, really good. So would you um, rest? Do you rest uh, big tomahawks when you cook them like that? Yeah, but not like an hour. Yeah. I mean, they need like five, five to ten minutes is about all you need to rest it. I mean, and then kind of take the spinalis off and then slice the center part of the loin and eat the spinalis first because it's the best part of the <laughs> Yeah, <steak>. exactly. <laughs> so By the time good. you've eaten that part, you don't need the rest. You're but like, I do like that technique of catching those meat juices, uh, you know, having that butter in there and maybe a little olive oil and then all the herbs and stuff. That stuff tastes so good basted back across the steak. And it's hard to do that on drum because you are losing some of that dripping down. I guess you could set up a lower grate with a drip pan. It'd be kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. 
but it could work. But that that part of that recipe, I really, really, really liked. Uh, the one thing I will say with a tomahawk, if you're cooking a tomahawk steak, you need to make sure your grill's big enough. Because that was kind of, I mean, I couldn't have cooked more than one on that PK. I think that's why you cooked it on the PK, because it was the only one that it would fit. Well, it couldn't fit on the Weber. Yeah, because the bone was too mm-hmm, big. You'd have to cut it down. It it hangs in a drum really well, and you get to play your power tool, drill a hole in it, bring it up <laughs> with a hook hanging on the shelf. That works really well. But um, you know, you gotta you gotta think about that because you want to you want ample space for it to cook, but you got that big long bone too. Now, is tomahawk your favorite steak? I'll ask you. I'll ask you that question. No. It's really over. It, it's really show. Yeah. When I see it on a menu at a restaurant, I don't think, oh, I got to have the tomahawk. It's just a showpiece with that big bone. And the bone's I mean, cool, but You could take the bone right past the meat, chop it off, and serve it to me on the bones. I love meat cooked on that bone. I think you do get a lot of flavor from it. It's, it seems like it's juicier to me. You get that, you know, that marrow's boiling inside. It's getting good and hot. Mm-hmm. It's got to be leaching somehow. It does something. The bone does something to it. And all that meat oh, on that bone. Yeah. Uh, Get that bonus, <laughs> that gnaw factor. That's I, the best part. Yeah. I mean, and I ain't shame. You know, if I'm at a restaurant and I got meat on the bone, do you think I ain't picking it up and eating it? Shoot. My mama didn't raise no fool. I'm going to eat the meat off the bone. I'm getting my money's worth if I done paid $85 for a steak. It depends on who's sitting at the table. <laughs> oh, if you're doing it. Oh, no. <laughs> Look, I done come to. Uh, 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 what? You've reached a point in your life where I know what I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm about. Just leave me alone. Don't. If you want to judge me, judge me. Go ahead. If I'm feeling insecure that day, I'm yeah, probably not going to be knowing. You too insecure to gnaw on a big bone in public. Maybe you need some kind of like shower curtain thing that goes over. You put it on a hat and you can get that bone up under there and just, just work get on to it. working. Yeah, <laughs> pull your curtain or you behind the curtain eating that bone. I don't think nothing's wrong with it. Are you shame eating rib meat off a bone or chicken wings off a bone? Why not eat steak off a bone? I don't know. It's just the act of picking up this big bone. And... Is it too beastly for you or something? I mean, like, if... it's not. It's not dainty. It's not a dainty thing. Yeah, and it's getting gets all me over. excited to see a woman eat meat on bone like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting all over you. Heck yeah! <laughs> You're at a fancy. Oh, she's about. <laughs> If you're at a fancy dinner and you spent two hours getting ready, you don't want to pick a bone, pick a nasty old bone up. Don't order the bone in steak, man. Get you the little filet or the Greek salad or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm thinking the steak owls go on me. We might have to put the bib on. If you see me pull out the napkin and duck it, <laughs> go ahead and follow suit. <laughs> we finna get down. <laughs> but at home, yeah, <laughs> ain't throwing it away. I promise you. <laughs> no. The dogs are not getting that. But overall, you agreed with everything. Yeah, I, mean, I did. I, completely, completely. I think the dude's super smart, and he knows what he's talking about. He's done his homework. He's done his research. So if y'all watch any of Google's videos, you'll see it. And he does a lot of testing stuff. Yeah. I've seen him do a lot of comparison, different methods, things like that. He's kind of like on that search to find what really is good food. And I love that. I love that approach. Yeah. I like him trying to figure out the why. Yeah. Of not only do I see him do it, I learn something. It's interesting. It, you know, it presents it in a good way and it's, it's easily watchable, you know, info. And that's probably, and that's gotta be why he's so successful at it. You know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully we'll get a collab and hopefully we'll get to take a little vacation yeah. to Miami. Yeah. There you go. We do that one there and he can come up here. Do two for two. 
Miami, Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> I get, you probably get, just as easily get shot in Miami as you can in Memphis. <laughs> probably. I was about to say, there's a CSI Miami. There's yeah, not a CSI yeah, Miami. yeah, there's not a CSI Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, good take, Tyler. <laughs> they just do the live policing. Yeah. Over from Memphis. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So last week, um, you gave a detailed gumbo instructional, really great, great yeah. walkthrough of how you do your gumbo. And a couple people in the community were talking about how they don't have the patience for roux or like the roux. The roux is what kind the of hard top. part. Yeah. You know, they sell it in a jar. I told them I've seen you cheat before. Yeah. I've seen you use that. Um, the brand you use is called Carrie's Roux. Mm-hmm. It's. Typically in the Cajun section of the Walmart. I don't know if everybody has a Cajun it's, it's, section. It's really regional. I think it'd be regional. I'm too. sure. That's so. I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of choices for roofs. Uh Kroger had one the other day. It was in a quart jar. I saw. I didn't buy it because I was going to make. I knew I had time to make my own. But yeah. I I won't hesitate to to buy a jarred roux if you know. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not as good, just like everything else. Yeah, you know, I will say this about the jarred roux. They seem more oily than a roux that I make because I do, like I gave that recipe last week. It's always a cup of flour, a cup of oil. A lot of times I'll go three quarters a cup of oil. I didn't tell everybody that last week, but a lot of times I do because I don't want it as oily. Yeah. Would I don't feel like you need it. oil if you needed it? If you yeah, you oil. could if you saw that your roux wouldn't ruin, but most of the, <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't ruined, right, add a little more oil. If it's too oily, add a little more flour. But it, and so it's like mama's biscuits. You can't, yep. you know, mama can give you the recipe for the biscuits, yep. but that's not how mama makes biscuits because she don't, me- you know, and a lot of times I don't measure. I mean, there's, I mean, I've, I've cooked, you know, you just get comfortable in the kitchen. You've done things enough. You know, you don't have to measure. You know what it's supposed to look yeah. like. You know how it's supposed to be. But, and I, you're constantly tasting and trying. And- that's right. If I need a cup of blue plate, I'm not getting out the cup. I'm <laughs> yeah. eyeballing the cup of blue plate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It don't work for baking as much. That's, and that's why I'm why, not a good baker. <laughs> yeah, because you do have to measure and weigh and do all this stuff. For me, I'm just uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Let's see if it tastes right. If it don't, doctor it, you know. And I think that makes you a better cook being able to do that. And yes. it's fine to follow a recipe exactly and know exactly how much. But sometimes you got to make it your own and experiment and try stuff. One of my best friends complains all the time. She says, I don't give her my real recipe. I'm like, this is the recipe I use. Yeah. This is the exact recipe I use. Do I taste it and maybe add a little more salt, a little more pepper, a little more blue plate as needed? Cheese. Yeah, of course. And you should too. You should too. (laughs) But that ain't what they want. Yeah. The exact recipe. We don't taste like yours. Well, I don't know what to tell you. That means you can't cook. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the point. Yeah. So Jamie commented that he does roux in the oven. So he said he found the recipe on America's test kitchen. Do you know what America's test kitchen is? I've heard of it. It's that they do little videos and helpful things. Yeah. It's typically on PBS. They do a whole show on PBS. Yeah. Your your mom watches it. Yeah. Yeah. I love America's Test Kitchen. They have, they do the best product reviews because they're really unbiased, you know, and it's hard to find an unbiased product review. And then they are very informative. So I like, I like that. 
Learn something from Yeah, it. learn something. Mm-hmm. So I went and pulled up their video where they talked all about roux and how to make an oven roux. Let me tell you. Sure. <laughs> I don't care whether you want to or not. No, no, I know all, I know about <laughs> oven roux and I got okay. a take on it. So I'll let you go ahead and tell me and then I'll tell you my take. So they said uh, gumbo would just be another stew if it wasn't for the roux. That's exactly right. The lighter the roux, it's made for thickening. And the darker the roux, it's more for flavoring. So the more dark you go, you're doing it for flavor. And the lighter you're going, it's just for the thickening agent. That goes along with my take right there, what you just said. Okay. And if you let your roux go too fast, you'll burn it. And if it smells like burnt coffee, do not add it to your dish. Throw it out because it's going to ruin your dish. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that time we went to? Exactly what I'm thinking about. (laughs) We went to a fancy seafood place in New Orleans with a bunch of chefies. Pesh. Pesh, yeah. To Pesh Seafood. And there was a bunch of chefs, like professional that, chefs. That were, yeah, that ate with us. And we got the gumbo, and I took a bite, and I said, that roux is burnt. Mm-hmm. And they tried to convince me, no, we just like dark roux down here. No. No, y'all burnt it. And you know why they burn it? Because they did it in the oven. And every time I can, I can spot a gumbo that's been made with an oven roux. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a shortcut way. And a lot of those guys in restaurants, they don't have time. To sit, to sit there, they don't have a you know a little lowly guy on a totem pole that they're you know got just making roux. They're throwing it in a big roaster, putting it in the oven. They'll stir it every so often, but I've heard of them putting it in overnight, just keeping the temp low and coming back the next morning, and it's roux, and they've just cooked it down. But I mean, to me, it just doesn't. Well, how do they do it? Flour and oil, and put it in the oven on low, and go stir it every once in a while, and just let it stay in there until it start goes through all its changes. Well, she only put flour. Oh, she didn't put any oil? Yes. No oil. So so tell me how they did it. Yeah. How they say do so it. So this is So they just burn up some flour. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. So they said Boosted. it's easier, foolproof way to make your roux. And the oven gives it an all around heat that toasts the flour with a and that is a lot less chance of it burning. That's toasted flour. That's not roux. That's okay. So they take one cup of all purpose flour in a skillet, yeah. four hundred and twenty five degrees, forty five to fifty five minutes. Watch it real close towards the end. Toasted flour. <laughs> the flour will go from that white color to kind of the color of cin- cinnamon. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> It'll go to black, I bet. <laughs> leave it in there long enough. <laughs> and I saw it. It yeah. kind of looked like bronzing powder. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, then- you know, when you buy the instant roux, like Tony's has an instant roux in a shaker bottle. Mm-hmm. It's probably just toasted, toasted flour. flour. Yeah. So when they're ready to add it, they whisk the flour with the chicken broth to make a slurry. Mm -hmm. And then they add that slurry to your big pot of chicken broth and stuff. So that's how she did it. I ain't buying it. It can't be as good as a skillet or, you know, cooking that roux in that pot. Can't be. I'd use the jar roux for I'd do that. Really? Yeah. You don't want to try it at all? Yeah, we'll try it. You want to see what it's like? We'll try it. I'm very curious. What temperature was it? Uh, 425. For 45 minutes. 45, 55 okay. minutes. We'll try it. I can spot it. I mean, I'm, because I know it, it It gives you that not quite burnt, but almost burnt flavor. And that's that's just what I spot when I have a gumbo that's cooked like that. Unless they've really, really burnt the roux, like a, you know, yeah. oil and flour roux. But you can usually spot that real quick, too. I mean, it just, you can smell it before you even taste it. It, it has ruins that, it. yeah. It has that bitter burntness to it, and it ruin. It'll ruin if you if that's always been what the way I learned to cook a roux is. If you burn it once, you throw it out and start over. 
And I've had to start over before by walking away and not stirring. And that's usually how you do it. You either got your tip too high or you're not stirring it enough. And it's, it's scorching. It's burning. And I don't care if you burn just a one area. And that's another thing, depending on what kind of stovetop you're cooking on. If you know, if your skillet's hot or whatever pan you're making your roux in, it's hot in another spot and you didn't stir it, that spot will burn and that spot will ruin your whole, whole roux, the whole pot. I can't imagine. So you got to keep it moving. I can't imagine it developing that depth of flavor. Yeah. In the oven. I I can't either. I mean, to me, it's just going to taste toasted flowery. Yeah. And that's what that's the flavor you're going to get. You know, you're right. You're trying to catch that flower right before you start burning it. So it's, I could see it being, you know, rue has a nuttiness to it when it mixes with the oil, and when it, it smells, so yeah, good. it's it smells really good, and it does get a complex flavor. I mean, it's a you know, it's, it, it it does more than just thickening a gumbo it gives it the essence of what makes gumbo gumbo i mean everybody says you got to have okra that's what gumbo is well i don't the okra is optional to me <laughs> you can I don't take want, it or leave yeah, it yeah i can take it or leave it i mean the way i in the and i don't even, i'm not making my gumbo slimy by putting raw okra in it a lot of people do that because they said well gumbo it translates some kind of i don't know maybe creole french creole language or something that trans or african language i'm not sure it translates to okra that's what gumbo means. And and they used it because of, I guess, because they like that sliminess and they thought that it, as it cooked, it would thicken the gumbo and it make it not like, a soup. It makes it more of that stew. It might be, this is all we got to eat. This is all, so yeah. we make it taste good. How can we, yeah, it could be. But but I've made plenty of gumbo without okra and it's fine. But yeah. not without the roux. But not without the roux. <laughs> that if you're making soup, then. You're not going to make, yeah, I, 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 okay. Would you argue with me there? The roux is the most important part of the gumbo. That's what makes it gumbo. You can yeah. put just about anything in it, but you got to have a roux and you got to get your base right. Yes. It's the, like- that's the vessel or the vehicle of the gumbo is the base, the roux, the, the broth you put in it and what that, what that comes into after you simmer it for a long time. That's what gives it its richness, all that goodness of it and makes and gives you that mouthfeel and then it sets it apart from a soup from a stew or anything that's what makes it gumbo to me because i've had gumbo a lot of different things inside oh yeah a lot of you know i've had it without well, rice you know i've had it with chicken, i am, I am mad at it without rice yeah with sausage without sausage with chicken without chi- you know i've had it a bunch of different ways but always the roux is the one staple and the yeah. trinity yeah this, i've made it i've made it without celery just just bell pepper and onion so this lady she cooked her chicken in the broth Raw chicken? Raw chicken in the broth. She said she wanted it to add its chicken flavor to the broth. And then it was just old white chicken when she pulled it out, you know. I would be willing to bet these people are not from <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> or a state that borders Louisiana. Yeah, I was going to say, you ain't from Louisiana. You okay. making Yankee gumbo. That ain't even gumbo. You got toasted flour and you're boiling your chicken in it. I don't know, man. How do you uh, make coming to. so if you use a jar of gumbo or jar of roux? Yep. How do you make it less oily? Um, or is it just something you deal with? I try to mix it up the best I can, but a lot of times that jar of roux still the oil sets on top. So I have been known to skedaddle a little bit of that. <laughs> just pour a it off that the oil. Top. Yeah, just get that oil. Just I don't need all that oil. I want the good stuff that's down in it, but I want it mixed up because it's almost like a paste. And so when you get it to that consistency, and, and all it does, it speeds up your gumbo making process. So 
I think a cooked gumbo, if if you can, if you got time to cook a roux and you kind of understand how you cook a roux and what it's supposed to be like, it's better to do it yourself. But in a pinch, if you if you don't feel confident that you can make a roux, use the jar roux. And if you're way up north, just toast some flour. <laughs> <laughs> you put toasted flour in chowder top. You're getting fired up. <laughs> no, like I I've heard of the cooking chicken in the broth thing. Like yeah. that's not that's not crazy. Yeah, yeah, like I do that when I make when I make chowder. Yeah. I do, I will say smoked chicken gives it more of a depth of flavor for sure. Uh, but. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I've only made gumbo one time, and I was texting you the whole time. Yeah, so I made it like you made it. It was pretty good. Was it good? Did yeah. it turn out? Did it you was, make your roux? Yeah, it was really, yeah. really good. I thought I almost burnt the roux, but I'd never made it before, so I didn't really know what I was looking for. But mm. it tasted really, really good. So I guess I didn't. You'd know if you burn it. It'd yeah, be, yeah. be real bitter and burnt tasting. I, mean, I don't have a problem with cooking chicken in it. I just think that the chicken. I don't want to overcook my chicken for a gumbo. How many times? I've had well, it. Well, she before. cooked it and then pulled it out. Okay, so she did get it out of there yeah. and then put it back in at the end. Yes, because I was I was going to say if she left that chicken in there the whole time, it's going to be so stringy. It's going, you know, it's just not going to be good eats. But typically, you use the you cook the chicken and use the chicken fat to cook the veg, right? I, I would. That's that's exactly what I do when I make it. I use boneless skinless thighs. She did too, and I. Brown my sausage first, and then I leave all those drippings, all that good grigory that stuck to the bottom of the pan in there. Season my chicken, cut up chicken thighs, and put them in there, and cook them in that in that grease. I don't have to add. Usually, I don't have to. Sometimes I take out oil, depending on how much sausage oil cooked out, and I fry that chicken in that, and just kind of get it all brown. I'm not trying to get it done. Then I get it out of that. We've done this. Yeah, we've done this. And then <laughs> I put my vegetables, so I got all those flavors, and that's why I don't need as oily of a roux. Because I don't strain all that. Yeah. I leave all that in that pan. And then I add my roux back in once I get my vegetables to the right doneness to stop them. And that's when you start slowly adding your broth and getting the mixture right. It's a it's a little process. Oh, yeah. Anything like that. Anytime you're working with broths or roux or anything like that, it's, it's mm-hmm. always a But your broth's going to taste better. Like Even if you use, say you use thighs and you cut the thighs off the bones and you use those bones and, you know, whatever scraps mm-hmm. to make your broth, you concentrate those flavors and cook it down like you do chicken and dumplings and then you strain it and then you got your good broth when you still got your meat that you're going to put in there. But I would do chicken part, you could do wing tip, you could use any parts of carcass of a chicken and make your broth and then either roast or smoke your chicken or cook it in the grease like I did on all the drippings of the sausage and it's going to taste better. I mean, a little more involved. Paul Poudron says that every great dish starts with a, a good broth. Yeah. He says that that is the cornerstone to every great now, dish, there, a good broth. There are uh, places down in New Orleans, and I'm sure all major cities that have you know a pretty good culinary scene that are just like broth houses. That's all they do. And these restaurants buy. I mean, I guess they got big. I'm, in, I'm imagine I've never seen one. But I'm going to imagine like industrial vats of broth cooking for hours. And then they package that up and they sell that to the restaurant. And that's that's why some of them are so – they're not making all that broth in their kitchen yeah. there. They're, somebody else has really worked. And there may be some roux houses that make roux like that. I don't know. That, yeah, that'd be interesting. But, I need to look into that. But the a, a broth is the essence of a lot of those dishes. Yeah. You're only as good as the broth you use. And, and Especially like a chicken and dumplings dish. Yeah. It's so simple. You know, it's kind of chicken, dumplings, and that broth. Mm-hmm. I, and I imagine I could, develop. Like my gumbo recipe would be a lot, lot better if I took the time and made the broth 
too, but most of the time yeah. I'm dumping Swanson's or something out of the box in there just, just for the sake of time. But you're getting a lot of your flavor from the roux and yeah, everything else like that. But like, like that's said, just another another. Like if I was cooking a gumbo competition, I would make the broth that week sometime, and I would have it chilled and get you know it would be a con- like a gelatinous yeah thick container of stuff, yeah. and then when you put it in there and put a little heat to it, it just lets go because you've got all the you know the, the stuff from the bones that's cooked out in it, and it's got all that. It's not is it collagen? I'm not sure what. What makes it congeal a gelatin like that? But it's so good. It's good. It's really good. That don't come out of the Swanson's box. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it looks like a gel almost. Mm-hmm. Real, really good broth does when it's when it's room temper cold. It looks like snail snail. <laughs> snail slime. Snail slime. What you trying to say? You can buy snail slime for your face. <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> Um, speaking of New Orleans, Blue Plate. <laughs> Blue Plate, hey, quality mayonnaise since 1927. Real mayonnaise made the Louisiana way. If you are choosing mayonnaise this weekend, make sure to choose Blue Plate. That's right. Hashtag that's the good stuff. We have got. <laughs> hashtag that's the good stuff. Is that the hashtag? Yeah. 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 That's a good reminder when I wear the shirt, actually. I didn't think yeah. about that. The blow up, you can't see it on camera, but it's right beside Shell. Pull it back behind you in front of the sign. This is what this is what's going to be a my pool this summer. Are y'all bringing that to the Bahamas? You know what? You think we could deflate it? I <laughs> would think I was nuts. <laughs> if I showed up. And, I just want to see you sitting on the side of the pool blowing it up. <laughs> I can <laughs> like two hours. Just mouth blowing it. I don't even. <laughs> it's hyperventilating into it. If I if I had that and then like a big. Uh, Stanley or mug like that that would look like a blue plate jar and you just float it out there with a big daiquiri in it or something. <laughs> Guy really likes his mayonnaise. He loves his mayonnaise. He must be part of the family. <laughs> you must be a plate. Yeah, he must be Mr. Plate. <laughs> Down the lines. Um, Fat Tuesday was this past Tuesday. It was. Um, did you see, uh, so it's a Detroit thing. They've done it a few years now. I think this one particular place does it. It's called a Coney. Hold on. I've got it pulled up. I didn't know they celebrated Mardi Gras in Detroit. <laughs> I know. No kidding. It's called a um, Coney Punch Key. So it is a hot dog topped with chili, mustard, and onions, but served in a split glazed punch key shape like a bun. What's so a punch key? A traditional punch key is usually, it's basically a donut. Yeah. That's usually filled with fruit or custard. So it's sweet. But instead of filling it, they bust it open and put a hot dog, chili, mustard, and onions. What does that have to do with Mardi Gras? I don't know. <laughs> there is nothing that says Mardi Gras about that dish. Would you try it? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> it see. sounds more like a, a, a super dog or you know something yeah. you'd eat for a, a ball game or something than as opposed to... A Fat Tuesday Mardi Gras dish. I agree, but I could see if they had like gumbo on top. Of I was, it yeah, I was expecting some seafood somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. do sausage maybe or king cake. Yeah, or, yeah, something boudin. But maybe a link of boudin in there. I mean, it does go with the whole gumbo dog indulgence. Yeah, I guess. So someone posted it in the community and said, "Is this for real?" And then someone else chimed in and said, "I live in Detroit and it's delicious." <laughs> but it is. It just doesn't have anything to do with New Orleans or Mardi Gras. Yeah. It's not even made on a lucky dog. Like they don't have that on the lucky dog cart. 
Lucky dogs are fire. They're good. Dogs, yeah. What's a lucky dog? It's a cart dog. You know, a hot dog cart in New Orleans. They're called the lucky side dogs. Of the street. Really shady people run them. It's super <laughs> questionable, but man, they're good. At 2 a.m., fresh off Bourbon Street, the, the, it's nothing like a lucky dog. And you can you get stand there like, and eat it on the corner. Yeah, you can get it with like what are that. What's the options? Chili, mustard, onions. I I usually just get mustard and onions. Yeah, I usually don't do the chili. They do but have that, chili. It's just the yeah, three, I think they have relish. Options. They probably have relish. It's not a lot. Surely they have blue plate mayonnaise. No, right? they do not have mayonnaise. I've asked. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> blue plate's missing out. You know how good that would be on a lucky dog. <laughs> I'll have to try that someday. You've never had a lucky dog? I have not. I've only been to New Orleans like one time, and it was with kids. So. I, know, I can't speak to them before 10 p.m. I don't know what that would be like. like you don't need a lucky dog for lunch. <laughs> we did get one for Michael when we took him down there. It was like lunch. an afternoon lucky yeah. dog. Wasn't near as good. It's like, <laughs> like crystal. Yeah. yeah. Out of the big three for, you know, after what's the huge ass beer, big ass beers or whatever. Yeah. After you drink four, five, six of those and then you get a lucky dog before you go back to the hotel, it's nothing better. That or they got the giant slice of pizza places too. And it's probably like the worst pizza you could ever buy. But to me, they taste so good that late. The last time we were in New Orleans or the next last time we were out on bourbon, walking back from the hotel room, hungry. <laughs> there was a line out the door for the pizza by the slice place. And Malcolm busts up. It was all young people. It was all young people. They they just didn't know what they were doing in New Orleans. (laughs) Malcolm walked up to the guy and goes, I got $100 for a pizza. He goes, are you serious? And he goes, Malcolm pulled it out, handed it to him, and he slid him a whole pizza right there. (laughs) And I got a standing round of ovation, too. Yeah, and all those 20-year-old guys were like, boss, yeah. (laughs) You know, I I don't know how how many times most people have been to New Orleans, but money talks in New Orleans. (laughs) And it probably does anywhere. You know, I've learned that over my. There's one thing I've learned in my 48 years. That's it. Going there. Imagine being standing in line waiting on your piece of pizza for 20 minutes, and it just slides to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and not, I didn't just get a slice. I got the whole pizza. I don't even know what we did. I don't even know if it made it back to the hotel room. I just remember that I was like, what? I took your what slice did? and gave it to a homeless guy. Yeah, here you go, man. Hey. <laughs> There's sometimes a hundred dollars is it's worth a hundred dollars for a slice of pizza. I will say this about you: you always treat yourself like a VIP, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> always impressed me when we were dating and stuff. Uh. He'd pull in there. I was like, "No, this is this is VIP parking." He's like, uh, "Let me let me talk to the guy." <laughs> <laughs> That's all you do. I'm like, "We got to stand in this line." No, let me go talk to the guy. <laughs> I got it, baby. Give me a minute. I've been with them on those nights, and I could see that for sure. <laughs> um, it is—is is it crawfish season technically? Certain years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. They say there's a uh, the drought really hurt the. That's like the river crawfish, and that's usually the ones that, the early season crawfish that you start seeing around Super Bowl, you know, into January. What is technically crawfish season? <laughs> You know, it, it kind of hits its peak at Easter. So I would say spring yeah. is when they start. Prices are always high. People that really eat crawfish, you're, you know, the people you know, the people that grew up and eating them for years, wait, a lot of times wait till after Easter because the price substantially drops. And then it usually runs till about end of May. Now, will the river crawfish run that long? They probably won't. They've done grown more. The shells have gotten harder. 
they're not as good. So it's, you know, the crawfish goes through its bolting process. So it's, it's shells tender early in the year. It gets harder as it goes and they molt. That's how you get the soft shell crawfish or whatever. And they do that whole process over again. So there's kind so, of soft shell right now. Uh, they are softer. They're starting to harden. Okay. So that's why, I mean, I don't even like January crawfish because most of the time they're small and the shell's so soft, you can't, you can't boil them very long and you can't soak them very long because they just go to mush. Uh, I like them. They're, they're pretty good. And for around the first of April, you know, right around that Easter time, they're the best to me, like right at the end of April, first of May. Okay. So then do you even start- mess with them in March? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've ate. You ain't going to turn it down? I ain't going to turn it down. It's usually, I don't think about eating crawfish till March 1st anyway. Usually don't even eat them in February. But that's that's typically how it goes. But this year, there's such a shortage on them because the drought really hurt them and knocked them back that the, the pond-raised crawfish haven't came in yet. Um, and so as they come in, prices should continue to go down. But I think it's just one of these things that's gotten really popular. It used to be super regional. Like you didn't even get them in all parts of Louisiana. You didn't really like, get them yeah. up here this far. No, we didn't have you know, growing up. We didn't eat crawfish in Mississippi. Not up here where we are. I mean, we would. We were in middle, you know, middle of yeah. Mississippi, but they would have to go down there and get them and yeah, bring them back. That's right. It's not like other people were bringing them. They as started. A business. They started popping up. I mean, it's now it's probably been twenty years though. I mean, I would say you know, mid nineties. You started seeing people chucking yeah. crawfish up, and you'd see a stand pop up, or you'd start hear about you know, crawfish parties and things like that. And they've continually grown and grown and grown. And now they're shipping crawfish all over the country. Texas? You know, they, is, yeah. Yeah. There, there's a there's places that are there. huge on crawfish. And so you see them, you know, everywhere. And they're delicious. It's really, it's really good. But there comes, to me, there comes a price I'm willing to pay. Like right now, they're $11.99 a pound, I think, cooked. In some places I'm seeing $8.99 to $9.99 live. That is way too much for crawfish. A pound. A pound. A pound. <laughs> What's ribeye go for about? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, 15 bucks. Yeah. You'll be able to get a decent ribeye. But still, that's not much more. But you get yeah. a pound of ribeye. I mean, a pound of crawfish. You buy one pound of crawfish. How much do you think that would be? I mean. It's not very many ounces you're paying of tail for, meat. Oh, I was going to say, you're paying for a lot of head, a lot of shell, a lot of legs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot of unused stuff there. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. The heads are good. But that's not the meat. The actual meat you're getting, you're not getting that much. Out of a pound. Oh, yeah. So what? how many pounds do you think you could eat comfortably? I mean, normally I say, you know, three or four. Yeah. If I go to, if I'm going to eat crawfish for dinner, that's what I want, three or four. I might do it two at a time or, you know, get two pounds and then get a pound and then get a pound. But that's you. That's, that's about normal. So how much would that be? Cooked. You know. 50, 60 44 bucks. bucks. Yeah. yeah, 50 bucks. That'd be, you know, you, you probably, by the time you got some corn and taters, sausage. You'd be 50 bucks and that don't include the beer you're gonna need to go with it so man that's a fine steakhouse dinner somewhere i mean i can get shrimp at the price you know cheaper than the price you get crawfish now so all of a sudden shrimp bowls are looking pretty good <laughs> <laughs> and you get more money per pound you get you know you get more, you meat, get more per meat per pound, pound yeah on that shrimp than you do that crawfish all you got is a little shell and yeah. a couple little i think eggs. that's what's gonna happen i mean there are some people that are just to say, because they want to have a crawfish bowl, that they'll pay that high, high dollars for some to have. But I bet you they ain't buying near as much as they were, you know, would have bought. And I don't, I just don't see it. I mean, it's gonna the market will dictate the price on that. There's got to be a point where people, and nah, we're not paying that much for crawfish. Wait, I, I think that it's just going to drive the demand. 
some some things that would do that, the price would drive demand to make you know make people want it more. But but then when the pond race crawfish come in in a couple months, I I don't know. I I, I think you're going to see prices go down. Are they going to be cheap this year? No, they're setting us up that you're not going to see two dollar crawfish. Is that what you normally would pay two dollars? I mean, they get down to that, yeah. and in some places like down there in South Louisiana, I mean, they get down to seventy five, eighty cents a pound. You know, there's deals on crawfish down there. That's late in the season, and, and they're it, not hauling it. Yeah. And people have already ate them all season long. But I, you probably won't see that this year. I would be, I would be surprised if we get down to three fifty a pound this year live. It's probably going to be like you're going to be paying five bucks, and that's a, that's like my price for cooked. I want to pay five bucks pound for cooked crawfish. If I'm buying them live, I want it to be. I really want it to be under three. I'd like to see two. So it's going to be a hot minute before we do a crawfish bowl. Yeah, it's not crawfish season yet. Yeah, there might be some me. shrimp bowls in our future. It'll be cheaper to buy a lobster or crab legs. What do you like better? If you had to pick your shellfish that you're boiling, are you you think crawfish is better than shrimp, better than crab? Crawfish to me is more of an experience because mm-hmm. you're standing around typically, you're having a beer, you're hanging out with friends. It's not like something you sit down at a table and like a lobster. Yeah. You can keep the lobster. I still haven't had a lobster that I think is better than crawfish, a shrimp. Or yeah. I'd probably pick crawfish over lobster. What's, what, the, what's the other option? There? Crab legs or shrimp? Oh, crab legs are good. <laughs> I'd pick crab legs all day long. I think crab legs might be a habit. <laughs> Snow crab legs in particular. I'd go crab legs, shrimp, crawfish, lobster. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But it could be a regional thing because I'm not, I haven't had the lobster, the lobster. at its, at its yeah. finest. Yeah. Lobster is finicky. Like you can cook crawfish and get them down, but lobster is one of them things you overcook it. It ain't worth having. And especially if people want those giant ones. And from my experience, those bigger ones are tough. They're not near as good as those small lobsters. Tyler, you can probably speak to that coming from Boston. Do you like crawfish? I like crawfish tails. I don't really like the experience of cracking yeah. them open, sucking the tail meat, like all that good stuff. Uh, lobster meat, I I don't know. I could go without it too, honestly. <laughs> like yeah. I'm kind of a weird northerner in that sense. I, I grew up eating it. My mom made it all the time, but I don't know. It's all right. What about crabs? Like, that's a big thing. People eat crabs up there a lot, right? Like, yeah. Crabs? Yeah. Like my wife's whole family loves crabs. Like loves, loves. Uh, Are we talking crabs or crab legs? Crab legs. Crab okay. legs. Oh, well, I was, I was talking about like whole crabs. Where you pick them? Blue crab. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I'm, you know, to me, that's not, not near as good. There's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for a little bit of meat. Yeah. And I bet people would say that about crawfish. They don't know how to. That's how they have it. Yeah. 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 Probably so. I just ain't ate, ate blue crab enough to. I don't know. There's something about standing around a table eating this crawfish and drinking beer. Mm. It's good. I think that's what they do with the crabs, too, though. They just get a table yeah, of them they and do. put out some Old Bay and some butter and a hammer and just go to work on them. But, so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of a communal. It's a more of a communal experience thing. You know, eat a bushel of crabs. but Social aspect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I can probably- Have you ever ate crawfish, like, alone? I've never <laughs> ate crawfish alone. <laughs> like, Have you ever eaten me. crab legs alone? No, <laughs> shrimp. Yeah, yeah. I can see eating lobster. I mean, you want to eat lobster alone? I guess. <laughs> but no, I've never ate crab legs alone. I don't think. Not that I know of. Just knocking. I was going to ask where. Yeah, where did this where? happen? I've never ate lobster alone. I don't think, but I could. <laughs> well, sh- yeah. So I got some questions for you from the community. What's been happening in the community? Um, you know all kinds of stuff. 
so somebody had a question about KCBS contests. They want to know about glazing brisket. Do you do a sweet glaze? Man, they get sweeter and sweeter all the time. It seems like brisket. I'm I'm shocked by how sweet brisket is. It started going that back that way back when we were doing it, and I, that's one thing I almost always refused to do. But but now every single slice of brisket is painted up with sweet barbecue sauce. Are they putting maple on that? I wouldn't doubt it. That that drew the line at that too. Maple maple does not go on barbecue. Uh, yeah. Barbecue. Um, they said that they're not a, a fan of sweet sauce personally, and if you want to play the KCBS game, it does not matter what you personally like. You it does not. Throw that yeah, out. You better get that out. You better go figure out whatever what people are winning with and try to emulate that the best you can. I mean, and it changes. It changes, but it seems like it's steady gotten sweeter and sweeter. I agree. I mean, when there's sauce and brisket in Texas, you know something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know something's wrong. Hey, you won a brisket contest in using Texas, a little sweet. The, sweet sauce. We had to. Yeah. We did it. But yeah, I'm not. But it a big was a KCBS contest, too. It wasn't. Yeah, it was Texas. KCBS. Back then, a Texas contest, they didn't put sauce on brisket like that. Like every picture I see of our buddy Gulf Coast Smoke down there in Texas, he competes a lot in the circuit down there. Yeah. All his briskets are painted up. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do mix it with some of the beef, you know, the, the algae that cooks out of the brisket or whatever, some stuff like that. But it's still a lot, a lot of sauce, a lot of barbecue sauce. To be honest Which with is you, sweet. Yeah. I'm not a fan of uh, competition barbecue mostly. It's just too sweet. It's too overdone. Yeah. It's, I want, I wanted more meat, smoke, mm-hmm. salt, you know, pepper flavors. Give me the savory aspect where I can taste the meat, the hint of smoke. If I want sauce, it's going to be on the side or not the number one thing on the meat. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. I like it on the side. Dip it. The only thing I can get I can get down with, on, you know, a pretty good amount of sauce is the chicken. I don't mind yeah, if my chicken's yeah. barbecue chicken's smoked chicken's sauced up. But e- even then, I want it kind of baked on. Yeah, you don't want it just all over you. Yeah. You want it kind of cooked on a little bit, set the sauce. Glaze it, yeah. yeah. So do you have any recommendations on a really nice vacuum sealer? Uh, Well, so I'll tell you what I have used. I started out just using one of the food savers that you like you could buy it at Sam's Club or, I mean, anywhere, Walmart, We Amazon, ran that food saver. Till they, till they couldn't run no more. He couldn't <laughs> say, no more suck any. <laughs> <laughs> Hate it when that happens. <laughs> But it was done. <laughs> and then I got turned on. I'll tell you who picked Actually, we went through a couple food savers yeah. before you went. I mean, you could usually get a couple years out of one. But I'm talking about, I use it all hunting season to put up meat. We would buy stuff at we Sam's and Costco. Then. Every competition, I was sealing up all the meat I was trimming at home and taking. So this this thing was getting worked. It was getting worked. And so we, we, I did some, we did some contests. Uh, and we were hanging out with Heath, Heath Riles. And he had somebody in his trailer after every category that was running a vacuum sealer, putting up the leftovers. Um, and so I was like, man, what kind of vacuum sealer is this? Cause it was like a big square one or whatever, but it was more industrial. It wasn't, I don't think it is industrial, but it, it takes a big, big roll. You can get the bigger bags for it or whatever, but it was a Wesson. That was the brand. I think it's W S S E N W. I looked it up. Before. How do you spell it? Weston. Weston. Okay. Weston Pro 2300 commercial grade stainless steel vacuum sealer. I got it off Amazon. Yeah. Double piston pump. Yep. I went and looked at the order. Hit okay. Me. And found it. And found the exact yeah. one. Yeah. That's it. And that so that was the 
second type that we had. And I bet we've had that one for some years now. At least five or six. Yeah. 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 And we've used it for a lot. A lot. The only thing that we've ever had a problem with it on is the heat seal, but I don't know if I ever replaced it. I think we're still on the first one, but it, it was supposed to come with the extra one. And I don't think ours did, but you can order it. It's like a replacement tape. That's just to keep you from burning up the thing. I think we messed up that tape because we didn't know how to use the vacuum sealer and we didn't read any directions and one of us might have. Overburn it. Overburn it. <laughs> but, but it's made works. to do that still and you can works. buy a replacement tape. It's like yeah. you're supposed to change it out every so often. All it does is we protect never- the bag from the heating element. Yeah. And it's just a little piece of tape that goes on there. And then as it gets too hot, you take it off and put another one on there. And we've never keep replaced on going. it. Never replaced I just it. put it. I just kind of put yeah, it up. It works. It works. It works, but that's a dang good vacuum sealer, and I like it because you can buy, it can go any size bag up to, is it 15 or 18 inches it's wide? It's pretty wide. I don't you, can, you can do whole turkeys, whole shoulders in it, whole briskets, no problem. You can buy the wider rolls of bags. Now, And you don't have to worry about it getting too much liquid sucked up yeah, in it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it, it works food saver. really good. Yeah. It works really good. Um, And so, but now... And that's the one we have at home, but at camp or at the smokehouse, I've got one of the meat. Um, if you've seen that brand, they make slicers and grinders and all this stuff, but it's the meat, meat your maker, I think is the name of the brand. Yeah. But they do. It's M E A T exclamation point. Yeah. They, they sent us some, they sent us a grinder, a slicer, and they sent me a chamber vac. It's a small chamber vac. Now chamber vacs are awesome. Now, the dude is heavy. You don't want to have to get it out all the time. So heavy. That's that's the number one reason why I don't use it all the time is we keep it in a tiny little closet. <laughs> it's not a on tiny the bottom. closet. It's, it's on a the tiny little closet for a big man. <laughs> it's not on the for me to try to get both of my shoulders in there and squat down and get it off the bottom shelf of the cabinet, it's challenging. You kind of have to do it at an angle. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't mess with it too much. But it works great. And vacuum sealing is great if you're doing a lot of sous vide or Things like that. The only thing, my problem is with this chamber bag, it's huge. I mean, it's, you know, it, you put it on a counter, you got a big counter. And then, the, but the ceiling area for it is small. Yeah. You can't put a lot of, like, I couldn't put a whole turkey or a whole shoulder or a whole brisket in that thing. You'd have to cut it up and do it in smaller packs. It works great. Now, oh, it, the, works it probably seals better than any of them. In fact, you know, the vacuum job's better than any of them. But it's a it's be, it's made for like a consumer model chamber vac. If I really, really wanted one. I'd buy one of the big chamber vacs that sits on a stand that you could put something whole in there. Because if you got that, that's the ultimate. There ain't no putting that in the closet, though. No. It's got to, you got to have a spot for it to stay. Yeah. yeah. But who's sealing up that much? Even as much as we do, I probably wouldn't get the use out of it. And that's why I say, I mean, for, for the money, get you a vacuum a food saver. If you know you're going to go through them, you don't care. If you're not going to use it all the time and you want two or three years out of one. I'd go if, if I need one. want a little one, bit better one, get the Weston. And then if you want the best, get the chamber vac. If if I was needing one, I'd I'd go to Sam's, get a food saver. Yeah. And use if it, it breaks until take it, it back. If it breaks within a year, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad taking it back. I'd expect to get a year out of it at least. Anything over that, you're doing pretty good. They've changed too. Like the first ones we had, you had to feed the bag in and had to catch it. You know, and sometimes it oh, wouldn't yeah. seal. Those, those, I hated that one, but we used it. Now they've got the one with the trap door where you cut the bag and you just put the thing in there and close the trap. That's easy. That's, you know, the only problem is they soak up a lot of moisture. You know, as they soak up moisture, it's going to mess them up and they're going to mold if you don't keep them clean. And 
That's kind of what messes up with them. I mean, you can get one at Sam's for 150 bucks. Yeah. So. And that's, that, that's been that price probably for 10 years, 15 <laughs> yeah. years. I think we paid like 200 for our first Maybe. one. I bought the one that it came from Sam's and it had all the little canisters with the hose and you could seal up all this other stuff. We've never, never used, used any of it in, in any of them. And maybe it's great. I don't know, but I've never used it. I've only used the roll bags that you, I, I, I like the bag where it's already sealed, but I will use the roll where you have to seal one end and then stuff it and then reseal, you know, seal the opposite end. But when you can buy the bags, like you found, we, we started using those for like catering gigs or stuff we were doing. We had did it for, we had done a, um, Big butt cook a for big butt cook. Mississippi State. Yeah, where we had to, um, we pulled a bunch of meat and everybody got like a pound of meat. And so we bought these uh, pre-sealed bags that had like a tear pouch on it and a zipper. So like once if you, you opened, opened it, it, you could zipper it back. And once we bought those, I was like, why hadn't we been using these? Whole time. Even at home. Yeah. Because how many times have you, you know, opened up something you vacuum sealed, but you're not using all of it and you want to reseal it and put it back in the fridge. You don't have to get the machine out and. Redo all that. You can just zip it up. Yeah, they're, they're perfect. And we've just ran out and I ordered some some new ones. You get them off Amazon. Amazon. So yeah. They're not even expensive. Yeah. I remember buying like we had to do a big butt thing. I think we bought like a thousand of those bags, and so we had like two hundred left over. And I've been using them for the past two. <laughs> yeah, years. and they lasted a long yeah. time. But I mean, there was many times where I was just going buying the double roll at Kroger. And the double roll of bags is pretty expensive. Yeah, it's like say. 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah, easy. And I can get a whole box of those on Amazon for 20, 30 bucks, yeah. you know. Yeah. I like my vacuum sealer, though. It's an important <laughs> tool. I hate getting them out. I hate pulling it out of because you can't leave it out on the counter. I was going to say, you're not going to leave it out, so you got to put it up. If I didn't live there, would you leave your vacuum sealer out on the counter? Would you just have a row of you? Of all my crap on counters? Oh. Uh, probably. <laughs> It'd be like rice cooker, air fryer. All the attachment, everything. <laughs> mixing. You need another, yeah. Undercounter mixer. Do you remember those? Undercounter. <laughs> What's an undercounter mixer? It's like the hand mixer. Yeah. You could pop it up into under. It had like an undercounter storage. Oh, that, no, those were Kitchen of Tomorrow's. I never had one of that. We didn't kitchen have one of that fancy. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Where you got like a little trap door and it comes up out of the kit. Oh, no, that's too fancy. You just have a line of all your utensils. Yeah, yeah you leave them all out. <laughs> Crockpot. Yeah. <laughs> Never goes up. That would drive you crazy, wouldn't it? We don't, we're not even allowed to keep the toaster out at home. It's got to stay put up unless you're using it. My wife's like that, too. The only thing you let set out is the coffee maker. The air fryer stays out. Yeah, I guess it does. Y'all put your coffee maker up? No, not the coffee maker. Everything else, the air fryer, the instant pot, the anything. Like blenders, yeah, all of that. Would you rather have it just lined up on the counter? I if if my wife wasn't in the house, yes, it would absolutely just be out. <laughs> Don't it look cool to see what you got? No. <laughs> you don't want to see my arsenal? Yeah, look at all these things I know how to cook on. <laughs> the bread maker been sitting over there since two thousand six. Yeah, collecting dust. Ain't made, ain't, ain't made the first loaf of bread. <laughs> I know you complain about the toaster. When's the last time you used the toaster? I probably make Michael toast for breakfast or something. I don't eat much toast. <laughs> exactly. How often do you eat toast? BLTs. Yeah. I do use it for BLTs in the summer. But still, not enough to leave it out on not the counter. Not enough to leave it out on the counter. I'm not I'm, not, I'm picking at you, really. I know it looks so much better to have I don't a clean think, counter. I don't think you are. 
you see my shop. It's just got everything out in the shop. And, you know. <laughs> well, that's really all I have for you today. Oh, well, Tyler, what do we have going on in the community? I know we just finished up one of our giveaways. We got some plans for some stuff coming up, maybe. Yeah, so we just wrapped our uh, Super Wayne giveaway, so we're going to have some new ones coming up really, really soon. So y'all make sure to head on over to facebook.com forward slash group forward slash H2Q community. Uh, you can post your recipes there. You can comment on other people's stuff. It's just a group of really awesome, like-minded people that can you can pretty much hang out with online. So it's awesome. So tell, like how you got it on George. I, I, I just <laughs> noticed that on the TV. It's, please tell me you can go back in and post and, and put some lips moving on that. Or it looks like he's, <laughs> if you could do that, it would make my day. Can we use George Strait every time we flip? Every time Tyler's talking, we just flip it over. Yeah. We're just gonna use the. <laughs> I know who you're dressing up for like Halloween. I'm, I'm going to find that shirt and a big old belt buckle for you, Tyler. <laughs> the voice does not match the, the body. I just need some glasses. Straight Tyler. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> I haven't been called that since high school. <laughs> uh, well, folks, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us here today. Uh, we will not be, ne- no podcast next week. I'm going to be kicked back on a beach under a palm tree with some kind of fruity concoction. Asking somebody if you can run their jerk shack. <laughs> Seeing if I can find a grill I can, I can jerk some stuff on. This is going to be jerk chicken every day. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How To BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and of course YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram and TikTok. All right. Well, hey, if y'all are in the Bahamas, look us up. <laughs> do not. Do not look us up. <laughs> we'll be on a beach if in the Bahamas. If you see us, avoid us. <laughs> avoid Shell. Y'all know I like talking. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can have a meeting at the pool bar every day. Two Malcolm always wants to make friends on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate y'all, and we will be back week after next. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the cold temperatures if it's cold where you are because we're going to be hot and sunny. We'll see y'all next time. We gone. <laughs>